Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Romans chapter 12, when we began this series, I made a statement. If the question were asked, after a person is saved, born again, after their heart has been changed by the power of God, well not changed, been made brand new, the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. After your heart has been made brand new, what do I do? What is the most important thing? People say, well, go to church, well, pray, well, this. Well, that's all relevant to it. But in reality, the most important thing an individual can do once they're born again, once regeneration has taken place, is to begin to renew their mind. Everybody say, renew their mind. Now, we looked in the Word of God and we begin to see at how difficult, how hard it is For the intellect of man to embrace the spiritual things of God. Your intellect is not your friend. Let me say that again. Your intellect is not your friend. You are not designed by God to live as an intellectual being. You are designed by God to live as a spiritual being. Amen. And I want you to know, spirituality has stood the test of time. The Bible is still the oldest and best-selling book on the planet, which proves the intellect of man is never greater than the spirituality of God. So when you are renewing your mind, what you are doing is challenging the thought processes of your mind with the Word of God. And then you are making the corrections. You are taking the Word of God with its ability and its power, and you are making uh, making corrections in the way you think so that you no longer think like a natural being, you begin to think like a supernatural being. That's important. Most people don't understand that. You quit thinking the thoughts of the fallen human race, and you begin to think the thoughts of God. We, we gave an illustration of, uh, of heaven. How many want to go to heaven? I know I do when I die, and I thank God I'm going. That always makes the Jehovah Witnesses mad when they come to my house and knock on the door. Amen. Because they think, you know, that they've got to be one of the 144,000. Which, How in the world do they ever get that? That's talking about 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to be on the earth during the tribulation time. How do they ever get that out of there? Intellect of man, that's how. Reasoning, that's how. Amen. But now, what does God think about people that want to go to heaven? What does God think about? Well, God says this. If you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. That word salvation, that word sotos, has with it the connotation of everlasting life with God, which means to be absent from the body, which the Apostle Paul says is to be present with the Lord. So man thinks this, i got to be good enough. i got to be good enough. Somehow, somewhere, there's some big scale up in heaven. And I get to get up to heaven, and I get to put all my good deeds on one side and all my bad deeds on the other side, and hopefully my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. Well, remember this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or to cause people with bad deeds to get good deeds. He came to make dead people alive. Because when Adam sinned, man died. He became became, uh, separated from God. And his separation from God began, for lack of a better explanation, began what I like to call a reverse evolution. You say, what do you mean a reverse evolution? 
from the Garden of Eden where man lived in the presence of God and his thoughts were dominated by his relationship with God to the animal he is today. And if you don't believe man's an animal, you just watch the news a few times. We were laughing the other day. We were watching the news. It's out of Houston. Uh, uh, what is it? Channel 2, Channel 11, and Channel 13. And we were thinking about, uh, for years, every, every Christmas, we went to uh, 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 Leah's hometown, Abbeville, Louisiana. And the news comes out of Lafayette. Lafayette, Louisiana. And, and so, you know, they're always talking about somebody's cat getting caught in a tree or a car wreck or, or this. Or that. Man, you listen to the Houston news and you think, man, if I'm going to Houston, I'm going to take a tank, you know. I mean, good night. But man is loosed upon the earth in his sin and iniquity. And I'm telling you, he ain't held back nothing in 6,000 years. And he's de-evolutionalized from the presence of God to the animal he is today. There's no restraint on sin. There's no restraint on what man would do. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on in humanity. But when you begin to understand that God has a higher way of thinking, that your intellect is fallen just like your spirit was. But when you got born again, your spirit man became alive in Christ. And now most of what you think goes counter to what the Word of God says. So you've got to humble yourself and make a decision. I'm going to think like God thinks instead of like man thinks. Because as you think, so you will be. It actually works like this. As you think, you will say. As you say, you will be. Now, let's read it real quick in Romans 12. Then we'll go to Joshua. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's your body. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We saw last week in Ephesians, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So here the Apostle Paul is admonishing us. Once you get born again, your body that desires to sin, that wants to sin, that has all these kind of appetites, bring it into control. Constrain it. You say, how do I do that? You begin to give your members to God. One of the ways you do it is by worshiping the Lord, lifting up your hands, worshiping God, opening your mouth, praising Him, doing things. Don't let your hands do things that your hands used to do that were destructful to your life. Don't let your feet take you to places where you should not go. You begin to bring your body into the subjection of what God wants you to do. And in so doing, you begin to prove out the will of God in your life. The will of God in your life is good, acceptable, and perfect for you. Are you with me? And then it says, don't be conformed to this world. The world is a world of confirmation. There is a box for every one of us. There's a black box, a white box, a Hispanic box, a male box, a female box, a Galveston County box, a Texas box, an American box. And the world system's doing everything it can do to corral you and get you into your box so they can control you and keep you where you should be in your way of thinking. You know, there are all kinds of groups out there that study just how people think. How do they think about food? How do they think about the tires they put on their car? How do they do all those advertising? They study the thoughts of men. But you've got to understand, God wants you to know you're either in the process of confirmation or transformation. Confirmation is natural. Transformation is supernatural. Amen? Amen. So, be ye not conformed to this world... But be ye transformed by the renewing, the reprogramming of your mind that you may prove. Everybody, everybody say prove. 
what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, all the way back to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, right after Deuteronomy, Joshua. Notice what it says there in verse 8. Now, God is speaking to Joshua, but this is, this is something very relevant to us today. Remember, always remember the Old Testament written for you. Everybody say for you. New Testament written to you. Everybody say to you. Now, notice here in Joshua, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe us to do all according to as written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Now, I've heard some things even this week. Some things have been said. And so I listen real quick, real, real closely to the way people talk, especially the people I teach and preach to. Uh, one of the things we must realize is the Word of God paints an entirely different picture of you than you have painted of yourself. You've got to see yourself as God sees you. Every person in the Bible that God used, He had to change the way they saw themselves. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Look at Gideon. He saw himself as weak from a small family. Moses saw himself as a stutter that couldn't, that couldn't communicate. Amen. Uh, even the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was so intellectually developed. One, try, one uh, a writer that I read after said the Apostle Paul probably spoke as many as 33 languages. He was a Pharisee, schooled in the ways of the law. He was the least likely candidate for God ever to pick and reveal redemption to. But he did anyway. Weak. God takes the weak things of our life, imparts His ability and power, makes us strong, and when people see us, they know it's God. So you've got to begin, you've got to begin to see yourself as God sees you. You are no longer white. See, most people see themselves ethnically. You're not white. You're not black. You're not Hispanic. You're not male. You're not female. You're not rich. You're not poor. You are in Christ Jesus. And when you begin to see yourself in Christ, you begin to see yourself in His family. E.W. E. Keenan wrote a book called The Family of God, The Family of Man. Man, that's a great book. I got it in my library. It talks about how so many people relate all of their problems back to the weaknesses of their human family. They talk about divorce running in their family. They talk about sickness and disease that runs in their family. They thought, talk about poverty and lack that runs in their family. But then he wrote, once you're born again, the Bible says you are a new creature. You are now in the Father's family. You are now in the family of Almighty God. It is not a white. It is not a black. It is not a Hispanic. It is not a male. It is not a female. It is not a geographically located. It is the family of God, blood washed, redeemed by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not until you begin to see yourself as translated into a different family that you will begin to function as somebody in that family. Hey, I don't know about you. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Arthritis doesn't run in my family. Sickness and disease doesn't run in my family. Mental uh, anguish doesn't run in my family. Worry and lack, it doesn't run in my family. It's not there. It is not there. And there are some things that were in my human family that if I would not gotten right with God, it would have showed up in me. But thank God I found the way, the truth, and the life, and it did not show up in my family. I have a friend who's an evangelist, a 
really powerful evangelist. I preached a lot of camp meetings with him years ago. And all of the men in his family died between 42 and 48 years old of heart disease. All of the men, not just one or two uncles. I mean, he had a brother that died. His dad died. His grandfather died. All of his uncles died between 42 and 48 years old. Well, he said, I'm not, I'm not going to have that. I'm going to die when I'm 42, four, between 42 and 40. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. So he got a hold of that revelation of being in the family of God. And he said, that's the confession he began to make. I'm not in that family anymore. I'm not in that family anymore. My heart is strong. I have the strength of God in my heart. The Lord is the strength of my heart. He said he used to confess that and speak that and confess that and speak that and confess that and speak that and confess that and speak that. And now he's fixing to celebrate his 60th birthday. He's the first man in his family in 100 years that has lived to be 60 years old. Something broke. Everybody say something broke. So God's speaking to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of Thy mouth. Now, there's where people have problems like that. Oh, no. You one of them crazy name it and claim it people. Look at me. Look at me. Absolutely. Without question. I saw where I needed salvation. I named it and claimed it. There's been times I've needed healing in my body. I name it. I claim it. I do not allow the word to depart from my mouth. I continue. Today I was working out at the gym and I caught myself after about three laps. I run laps and do exercises, run laps and do exercises. I caught myself down for about the third lap around just almost unconsciously speaking the word of God. I was actually thinking about something else but out of my mouth was coming the word. Coming the word. Coming the word. Speaking the word. Speaking the word. Listen, it is a law of the human race you will have what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It has nothing to do with Christianity. It is a law of humanity. Now, he says, don't let the book of the law, don't let the word depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Everybody say, meditate therein day and night. Now, this is where we want to come to. I've got about 10 minutes left. Meditation on the Word of God. You must meditate. It's fine to read. It's fine to memorize. It's great to study. But you must learn to meditate on the Word. The word meditate is to take and examine from every angle, to turn over and over and over till it exhausts your intellect and your intellect can find nothing else to look for within the context of the information. That means you just your brain goes all over that thing until you cannot see anything else. Then God will come and turn the light on it. Now, real quick, real quick, go to... Go to Go to Isaiah. Let's take a scripture and meditate. Show you how it works a little bit. Amen. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 41. This is one of my favorite scriptures, so I was going to use my favorite. You can start on your favorite. But notice when you're supposed to meditate. Say it again. Not just on Wednesday nights, not just on Sunday mornings. Day and night. Isaiah 41. Look at verse 10. Now, this is one, one I like to meditate on. It says this, fear thou not. Now, first of all, that, that sounds like some instruction. That sounds like some command. So when I see that and start thinking about that, I'm thinking, all right, this is, this is, this is not Sports Illustrated. It's not National Geographic. 
It's not an Archie comic book. It's the Bible. So it's the what? It's the Word of God. So God is telling me, because you've got to take the Word personal, the Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God speaking to me. Let me try that again. The Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God speaking to me. Say it. The Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God speaking to me. That's what it is. So God is speaking to me, and what is He saying? He is saying, fear thou not. Now notice what He says here. He says, fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed. So notice here, two things, fear and dismay. Two negative emotions. Fear, dread, anticipation of destruction. Are you with me? And dismay, the the depression, the anxiety. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, how can you say it? The negative emotion that fear brings. The, 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 the dread, the fret of what could happen. So fear and dismay. Remember the, the, the men of the army of Israel when they saw Goliath? They were f- afraid and greatly dismayed. Amen. So notice this. Fear thou not. Be thou not. Be not dismayed. So God is telling me, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Do not entertain these negative emotions. Then he puts the answer between the two. You ever notice that? Now if he tells you not to do it but doesn't give you the way to do it, then you're in trouble. But if he tells you not to do it and gives you the way not to do it, then you've got the answer. Notice what he says. He says, fear thou not. Why? For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am thy God. Some of y'all need to start meditating on that. Now, first of all, what's he say? I'm with you. I'm with you. See, now, people say, well, pastor, come on now. That's, you don't really believe that, that. You don't really believe. Come on now. You don't really take that. Somebody needs to interpret that for you, pastor, because you really, you know, you're really getting out there. If you really believe that the creator of the universe is, is with you, is really with you, Come on, now that's metaphoric, that's, that's mythology, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, not, that, that, that's not practical, that's not relevant. God, He's up in heaven, God is important. You're just this little old guy down here doing nothing down here in Galveston. No, 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 you may believe that, I don't. And you don't understand, you cannot believe that unless God empowers you to believe that. Because faith cometh by hearing, not listening, hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not fearful. I'm not dismayed. Why? Because God, the creator of the universe, the one that keeps the sun coming up in the east and setting in the west, the one that drew the boundaries of the ocean and said, you cannot pass that boundary. I heard it again tonight. By 2050, we're supposed to be 12 feet underwater. They said that in 1980. They said it in 1980, but they cannot. You say, ah, the polar caps are melting, the oceans are rising. Show me. It isn't happening. God put a decree, it says in Proverbs. He said, I made a decree in the sand, and I said, the oceans shall not pass this line. That God, 
That God that created the stars, that God that created the moon, that God that puts breath in my lungs, the God that causes my eyes to see and my ears to hear, the God that gives me life, the God that is in control, the God that can do anything I can believe Him for, that God is with me, so I'm not going to be afraid, nor am I going to be dismayed. The God that delivered Israel. The God that split the Red Sea. The God that provided manna in the wilderness. The God that brought water out of the flinty rock. The God that healed the sick. The God that raised the dead. The God that fed 5,000 with a few fish and a few loaves. That's the God that's with me. He's hanging out with me. I'm hanging out with Him. Now see, you think about that. You meditate on that. You turn it over and over and over. And it'll become reality in your mind. Now notice what it says. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. Now, I remember the first time I started meditating, I just took those three words. Strengthen, help, uphold. And I just began to think, strengthen, help, uphold. Strengthen, help, uphold. Strengthen, man, do I ever need some help? Man, do I ever need some strength? I need somebody to help me and uphold me. And I begin to think about God. God, he'll strengthen me. Not some pill I have to take. Not some course I have to go to. No, but God Almighty, who possesses all the strength of the universe, He's going to come when I'm weak, and He's going to come and strengthen me. He'll strengthen me against temptation. He'll strengthen me against sickness and disease. He'll strengthen me against poverty and lack. He'll raise me up above fear and dismay. He'll cause me to rise above it in strength. He'll cause me to be upheld by the right hand of his righteousness, which is a type of Jesus. He will use his son Jesus, the Redeemer, to strengthen me, to help me, to uphold me. Why should I fear or be dismayed? I'm hanging out with God Almighty. She's just meditating on the word. Just meditating on. Now notice I like the next verse. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee. Now that's what? That's everything that's arrayed against you. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, depression, all the little demons and devils that try to get in your mind, cause mental anguish, all that. All the hordes of hell itself. All of them. They hate you. They don't like you. They want to destroy you. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. So all the enemies of God's people, all that they're not people are not our enemies. People are our purpose. But all the enemies, all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the depression, all of the fear, all of the lack, all of everything that paints a picture of impossibility. Here they are, right here. Here they are, right here. I like this. All they that were incensed against, they're saying, I want to destroy you. I want to tear you down. I want you to be afraid. I want to put sickness on you. I want to put disease on you. I want to hurt you. I want to steal money from you. I want to just tear your family apart. No, no, no. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. Oh, I like that. They that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them. Even them that contend with thee, that, even them that contend with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. Now think about all the enemies, all your problems, everything that's arrayed against you. Here they come Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Fighting against your mind, fighting against your body, fighting against your finances, trying to mess up your family, trying to mess up your job. And God says, they will be as nothing. Now listen, 
If God calls it nothing, it's nothing. I was meditating on this one day, and the Lord spoke something to my spirit and said this. Most people's problem is they're trying to make something out of nothing. Now think about it. Well, I got cancer. It's nothing. Well, they're laying off at the plant. It's nothing. You're just in denial. No, I'm not in denial. I'm in application. I'm applying the word to the problem. If God calls it nothing, I'm hanging out with him. I'm hanging out with him. If he says nothing, then I just echo what he says. Nothing. Nothing. Depression, nothing. Lack, nothing. Poverty, nothing. No, no, nothing, nothing. Enemies come against the church, nothing. Problems rise up, nothing. Nothing, nothing. Say, no, no, you, can't just, you just can't turn your back on it. I'm not turning my back on it. I'm turning the word loose on it. I'm turning the word loose on it. You fight with the word. You fight with the word. Don't fight with me. Fight with the word. You couldn't whip a gnat anyway. The the word of God is the only thing that defeats the enemy. So when when you release the word, he has to fight with the word. I like this. They shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. I like verse 13. I'll close there. Look what it says. For I, the Lord thy God. Woo, I like this one. Will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. So I got this picture of me walking with God. My hand's in his hand. I'm not looking at the problem. I'm not looking at the situation. I'm not looking at the search. I'm looking up at God. And he's looking down at me. And he said, I'm going to help you. Fear not. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Lord, we got to build a building. Lord, we need a building. See the thousand people. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Don't be dismayed. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. No, don't. Just keep looking at me. Don't look at the land. Don't look at there hadn't been any phone calls yet. Don't look at how they hadn't responded to you. Don't look at that. No, look at me. Look at me. I will help you. I will cause you not to just keep your hand in my hand and keep on walking. Keep on moving. Keep on progressing. Keep on going. Now say, we just spent 10 minutes meditating on one scripture. Actually, three scriptures. That's how you do it. You get in there. And instead of using your imagination for a prop of Hollywood to create a fantasy world to live in, use the Word of God in your mind, in your imagination. Uh, Many times on long trips to to Europe, to Asia, some of those 10-hour flights we used to have to take, 14-hour, one flight we have to take was 14 hours. I'd just lay there and close my eyes. And I'd see myself on that street with that woman with the issue of blood. And there she was, and there was Jesus, and the crowd, and the dust, and the smells. And here she'd go, pressing in. She's so sick, so many symptoms. And here she'd just crawl, and almost get to it, and, and, just, and he'd step away. And she'd crawl some more, and she'd get up, and get knocked down, and get up, and get knocked down again. But she kept going. She kept persevering. And she got to the hem of his garment, grabbed a hold of it. And the power of Almighty God flowed out of it right into her body. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, she knew in her body she was healed. And I just sit there and meditate and think about that and see her face. See her face. How do you think her face looked? The moment before, the moment after. The response of Jesus to her faith. The response of the crowd, the response of J.R.'s. And I just spent hours just running that video in my mind round and round and round. Woman, go in peace. Thy faith has made thee whole. And you see the crowd proceeding toward Jairus' house. And then one little woman walking away with her hands up. Saying, glory to God. There's no sickness. There's no disease in my body. 
I've been healed spiritually. He called me daughter. He healed my mind. He said, go in peace. He's healing me financially. He said, thy faith has made thee whole. So you take the word and you turn it over and over and examine it over and over. You've got to learn to do that continually. Most people do it on the opposite side of the scale. It's called worry. Where they take the problem, the situation, the circumstance, and that's what causes fear and dismay. But if you'll do it by the Word of God, then God will help heal your situation and you will learn to speak, to meditate, and to respond in every area of your life with the Word and the Word only. In Jesus' name. Amen. You love the Lord? Put up your hands and worship the Lord for just a moment. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for the Word. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.